Let's bring him in now, former NBA star, Charlie Ward. Charlie, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. So we're looking at the NBA Finals. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Game one obviously went to the Phoenix Suns. But when I look at this Suns team, they just looked apart in terms of a championship team. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I mean, you, you kind of you, – you see what they have. Uh, as far as what the product that they put out each and every night. And this is something, you know, even though, you know, my buddy is Monty and I know his coaching style and know the players he have uh, on the team. Uh, you just, cause I was always sitting back. I'm like, man, when are they just going to come to come back to the pack? Um, and because you're not accustomed to Phoenix being like one of the top teams. Right. In, in the NBA, and they never did because every time I watched them, they played as, they played the same way every single night. They played defense. Uh, the role players on offense played to their strengths, uh, had guys step up uh, in different roles, uh, but they played the same role each and every night. And so I think that plays a big part in a championship DNA uh, when you can get your team to buy in on the defensive end. And then, of course, you have your home run hitters and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, and then Aiden came into his own, found his role and the way he can play on the offensive end to make a difference. And they just blossom into what they are today. And so I'm still uh, hoping that they can hang on. Uh, but they keep coming out and playing the same way, regardless of who steps on the floor. You obviously talked about your, you have a relationship with Monty Williams. You guys are teammates with the Knicks. So did you think he was going to be a coach back then or at any point? I mean, we didn't know what we were going to be after we finished playing. Um, no. I think that's, you know, a testament of, you know, for all of us is, you know, while we're doing what we're doing, we just don't know what our future is going to be. Um, and so we just have to make every um, relationship that we built over the years count. Uh, because when he decided to, you know, go into coaching, uh, he, he fell back on some of the relationships that he had built during his basketball career. Um, and they helped him through the process. And then he got an opportunity to be a head coach uh, which I still don't know why they let him go, but um, that, that was probably his blessing at this point. Um, and, you know, he's got an opportunity to learn from a lot of great coaches playing-wise and as a as a, a coach, an assistant coach. And so, you know, I just think, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, and like I said, you don't know. Um there, there are guys who play very well, sometimes aren't the best coaches. There are some guys who are middle tier, have struggles, um, that go on to be great coaches. Um, and, you know, for him, he had a lot of trials and tribulations throughout his, his uh, college career, professional career, you know, with his health, uh, whether it was heart, whether it was knee, uh, but he found his niche. Um, and he has a great way of relating to the uh, players uh, in the NBA. And, you know, 
he's been able to uh, find at least a home for now. Uh, hopefully they they see his value regardless of what they do in the years coming. But I knew what he was doing in New Orleans, and that's the reason why I was very disappointed that they let him go. Uh, but I was grateful for him because he found a place now. I think they uh, appreciate uh, what he brings to the table. Um, and I just hope they can continue to build a championship quality team. Now, one of the reasons they're a championship caliber team in Phoenix is Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul's playing some big time basketball, 32 points, nine assists in game one. I mean, he just plays the point guard position like no other. As a former point guard, do you marvel at the things he does on the basketball court? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say marvel. Um, I mean, that's just the way he's been. I mean, on all the teams that I've known him to play, he's been the same player. Um, shooting, the, he's still shooting the same shots, um, playing the same way, and he's so smart uh, that you know, regardless of how you're going to play him he'll figure it out. Um, and that's kind of what you need as a point guard uh, if he's going to be the facilitator um, of, you know, the offense. And defensively, you think he would be a liability, but every time I see him switch off onto to a guy who's a scorer or whomever it's supposed to be, he finds a way to, you know, get stops or, you know, and what have you. And so I just think he's the type of player that you need um, on a team if your team is built around the, the style that they are playing where uh, he can get you buckets or he can get you opportunities for other guys to get buckets off of what he does. And I think the thing that goes unnoticed a lot of time is just his experience. Um, that plays a big part and his success as well. So we look at Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo came back for the Bucs in game one, played fairly well. I just look at his game, and, and for Giannis, and, and we'll see if he can stay healthy, but everything is to the basket. Everything is to the basket for him. And, and I'm just wondering, there's a lot of collisions, a lot of things when he goes to the basket. I'm wondering, from my standpoint, is whether he can hold up throughout the course of the series. Obviously, the knee is – not 100%, but right. it's good enough for him to get out on that court. But I'm wondering if he can hold up based on the style of his play. Uh, that I mean, that's the question that we're all kind of waiting to see. Uh, he looked very good game one in the sense of, you know, where he was, you know, a couple weeks, a week, a week and a half ago. Um, and you saw somewhat during the game where he was um, – limping he limped uh, at one point in the game I, I saw I'm not sure what happened but he shook it off and it was able to come back um, I just I mean I've hyperextended knees and other things and you can play through it but at some point um, it does tend to bother you um, over the course of time but I'm sure he's getting a lot of treatment uh, he's kept his body in great shape and you know, I think he'll continue to put his uh, footprint, thumbprint, whatever print you want to call it, on the game. Um, and his health, of course, you know, is is an issue that they're monitoring. But I didn't see it. I don't think that was the issue they had in the first game. 
Let me ask you this. At end of the day, when you look at this series, who do you think wins this series ultimately? Of course, I'm going to say, you know, Suns. <laughs> I'm hoping they win. You know, I don't know how many games. Um, I know during the course of a series, as we've seen over the course of all these games, adjustments are going to be made. And sometimes the adjustments aren't major. It's it's energy. You know, who brings the most energy to the game um, early on? Uh, who's going to make those shots? Who, Which guy outside of the scoring guys who are going to score the basketball consistently makes those shots um, at the right time, making plays on defense. And so, you know, I just think over the course of this series, barring no injuries, it should be, you know, a good series. But I do hope Phoenix wins in six. Okay, Phoenix in six, hopefully from your standpoint. So you look at you now. You played in the NBA Finals back in 1999. Ultimately, you guys lost to the Spurs in five. What was your greatest memory of that experience? Um, I, I, I guess just the experience. You know, a lot of times we, we get so caught up in the wins and losses, the games, um, just the experience of being in the NBA Finals. Um we knew it was going to be a tall task with uh, Larry Johnson and Patrick Ewan being out and part of their, not part, their strength was, you know, their front court, right. which was uh, David Robinson and uh, Tim Duncan. And, um, and so we had trouble with them um, the entire series. And I do believe that those two guys not being there uh, played a big part in us just not being able to uh, maintain or contain uh, what they were good at doing. And so, uh, but the experience of playing in the NBA finals, I think was uh, something that you can't sneeze at because not everyone gets an opportunity. Um, and, you know, I was just grateful that I got an opportunity to be on that team. And plus, you know, we were AC, you know, yeah. if you start, you start looking at it and thinking about it. We weren't supposed to be there um, from a seeding standpoint, yeah. but from a player, uh, from the players that we had on our team, um, we were expecting, you know, we were expecting to be there. We, it just wasn't meant for us to win that series. But, you know, I think the, the buildup to getting there was great and being able to be in the NBA finals was great, uh, but we just weren't able to get over the top. Different story of, of viewing and, and, LJ are right in that particular series? Of course I'm going to say yes. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it, it, it just it, it would have given us a, a better chance to win. Right. We, that's guys that we relied on heavily during the season. And even though they were a little older, um, they like, let's go back to Chris Paul again. I mean, the, yeah. the leadership, the experience, uh, you know, being able to throw more guys – more guys, more weapons at your disposal if you're a coach uh, to be able to change up some of your strategies because, as we've seen, uh, the strategies play a big part, you know, over the course of a series. And the weapons that you have to be able to play those strategies play a big part as well. I'm looking at these Knicks teams over the years. There's some very good Knicks teams in the 90s. Unfortunately, ran into Jordan a few times. I look at all those teams, in my opinion – 
I think the 97 team may have had the best chance to possibly break through. That was the year the whole situation with, with P.J. Brown and everything got some guys suspended. And ultimately, you know, we all know what happened in the Miami series. To you, which team gave you the best opportunity to win an NBA title? Um, I mean, like any of the teams outside of the one that – I mean, even the one that we lost, you know, in the NBA Finals – you know, was gave us a chance, but like I said, we were missing a couple guys. But sometimes, as we know, winning a championship is is hard, and you have to have the right bounce, uh, ball bounce the right way, health. Um, all those things play a big part in winning a championship. And so, you know, the years that we lost, there's a reason for us not being able to be there regardless of what the situation was um, even when we had guys healthy. Um, so I just think, you know, like you say, in 97, we had a suspension, you know, in 99, we had two guys out that we were that, that helped us get there. Um, and then we ran into Jordan the other years. And so, you know, it just wasn't meant for us to, to, to win a championship, but the experience was great. You know, mm -hmm. achievements that we were able to achieve um, throughout those years were, you know, phenomenal as well. Any regrets in terms of what happened in 97 in that particular situation in game five against the Miami Heat? No, I mean, it. we we had plenty of fights with the Heat um, or scuffles or whatever you want to call them. <clears throat> and so, yes, we were up, I think, 3-1 or something. Um, and that, that whole fiasco happened for that game. And then we ended up losing in seven. Uh, but I mean, those things happen. We had to fight the next year, um, or scuffle the next year or one of the years in the playoffs. And, you know, we were able to overcome that, but I think we, we, we learned from that scuffle because, you know, leaving the bench, you know, I think we we found it the rules um, for you know bench control. Right. Uh, we had so many incidents, and they were in the process of changing. You know the hand check rule, and they were going through that whole changing of the guard type deal. And so you know, '97 probably was the year that they start. I mean, it it, it hurt us because we lost some guys. I know I was out of game and we had multiple guys out, you know, two games and we were suspended, you know, a couple game, a couple guys were spending one game, a couple guys spent two and then the other game. And so it just threw us all off in the middle of a series. But like I said, it happened for a reason and we just have to live with the results, whatever they are. So, you obviously a big-time college football player, won the Heisman back in 1993, arguably one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. In terms of football and basketball, was there a sport that you liked better? No, I, I actually played all sports um, growing up. And so, um, so it wasn't anything I liked better. I mean, basketball was always the go-to. 
because you could always do it by yourself. Um, you can go always go out and shoot hoops. And so I think that's why you all, most times kids gravitate towards basketball because you can do it by yourself. Um, you don't really need anybody. Um, and so, but if I did, if I liked anything, um, you know, outside, I mean, it wasn't really much uh, outside of the sports that I played. So looking back on the situation, um, do you regret not playing NFL football or at least attempting to play NFL football? Um, no, I don't have any regrets. Um, you know, whenever you can work for a Mercedes dealership <laughs> or a Jaguar dealership, I mean, it's apples to apples. When you start talking about selling cars, they're both great cars. Um, and and so you can make a great living at both of them. Um, but, you know, the NFL decided not to choose or give me an opportunity to uh, play in the NFL. Um, and the NBA did. And so I don't regret my decision at all. Um you know, when it comes down to my thought process, you know, the enjoyment that I had competing for both of them or preparing for both of them, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, I had that experience. Um, but more importantly, I'm grateful that I had the options. So that's kind of the way I looked at the whole thing anyway, uh, right. was I wanted to have options. Is, and I think that's what everyone would like to have is options, uh, regardless of what you're doing. Um, and I was grateful that I had two two very good options. So, hypothetical, if you were to have been given an opportunity to play in the NFL, what, what type of quarterback do you think you would be? Um, during my time, um, I'm not sure if they would have adapted to like they've done in this day and age. Um, and so I would have become, I would have probably been better in a West Coast style offense. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where I grew up in. Uh, we, we were more West Coast offense my freshman, sophomore, and redshirt junior year. My, my three years, my first three years, we were – like a West Coast type offense uh, with split back, eye back, um, those types of uh, formations with a tight end and three wide receivers. So that's kind of what I grew up in. Um, and then we started to spread out a little bit more with uh, full wide outs. We did dibble and dabble with one back, um, two back split sets, but we were in the shotgun most of the time. And so I would have been, I would have had to adjust. I could have adjusted to any offense, which I had to do my junior year because we totally went away from what I was raised on at Florida State to something totally different that would have, that, that was better suited for, uh, you know, what we, uh, our personnel. And I had to learn, you know, on the fly with that. And it was from a pro system. You know, the system that we ran my junior year was really a check with me uh, type of system, two plays in the huddle. Um, then you make a call at the line on what you see. 
So there are a lot of things that I did that was pro style at the time. Um, so I don't think I would have had it a tough time adjusting to, you know, any pro system. So we, we saw now with the NCAA, now players now have an opportunity to make money off their likeness, off their image. Could there have been a lot of money made by you during your time at Florida State if, if that was the case back then? Sure. <laughs> um, there are a lot of things that the school uh, did as far as putting my picture on certain things, um, even though the school can't can't give you any resources, I mean, any money for doing that. But um, I'm sure there would have been opportunities outside to be able to, uh, you know, autograph signings, which would have been great um, doing that today. Yeah. Um, you know, there would probably been more opportunities that I would have had to navigate through. I just, I just, I just know I would have probably um, found a way to um, put it in a trust fund, as I've learned over the years, um, put it in a trust fund or start a foundation to be able to help support, you know, an organization with the resources. Because, you know, college, uh, I really didn't want much or need much. And plus, during my time, it, there was no cost of attendance. Um, I wasn't on Pell Grant. And so, you know, I was getting whatever they gave for, like, stipends for during the week. And mm -hmm. I was so cheap that I would save the stipends and I would eat, you know, unhealthy meals on the weekends whenever the, the, the training table wasn't open, that I would save more money than I, you know, for myself. And so I just know um, probably been beneficial to to have a trust fund um, and or a foundation to be able to you know put pour some of that money that I would have been able to make off the field into that um, and keep the I would just I would have had to try to find someone that I trust first right. to, to to oversee it. Um, and there are people that I that I do know and trust now that would have been great. So what's going on with Charlie Ward today? Uh, well, I'm currently coaching high school basketball here at uh, Florida State University School, which is a charter school for the university, uh, Florida State. I'm the high school. I'm the head boys basketball coach. And doing speaking engagements, um, you know, different speaking engagements on my story, um, leadership, just talking about leadership and those that help lead me, um, encouraging uh, different people, whether it's students, whether it's kids, whether it's coaches, whether it's businesses, um, you know, through the process of what it looks like to be on a team um, and our foundation, Family Foundation, Charlie and Tonja Ward Family Foundation, uh, supporting uh, youth organizations, uh, along with um, some of the organizations that we, we've supported, you know, 
relief efforts uh, that from hurricane relief efforts to our daughter doing um, her holiday notes for the elderly um, and the community, getting the community involved with sending notes uh, on the holidays to uh, whether it's veterans or, you know, assisted living facilities to be able to encourage those uh, that may, you know, that may be moving, moving forward um, or elderly. So that's kind of what we, 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 what I'm doing in this day and age, besides, you know, hanging out here in the house with the family, which some of them are moving on to college. And uh, we have one left, a young, young fella that's left um, who's 12. So point guard, obviously a position of leadership quarterback, another position of leadership. Were you, a, do you, do you think you were a natural born leader? How'd you develop your leadership abilities? Uh, well, some of it, I mean, I'm, I'm really an introvert, so I don't really like to be out. Um, but I got forced. Uh, when I became the, when I was the point guard my sophomore year, I was a backup. Um, but I was garnering some attention because I was a football player and I was having some success on the basketball court. Um, but it wasn't until I became the quarterback my, jun my junior year, my fourth year in college, is when I start. I was forced to have to speak to the media. I was forced to have to be a little bit more vocal, um, but I still led in my own way, which was whenever I saw something and I need to say something, uh, it, it came across very loudly because I didn't say much at all, you know, most times. Um, it also forced me to be able to make tough decisions um, and live with whatever results were, uh, whether they were constructive or whatever the case may be. Um, when you make Poor choices like I did on the football field, um, you know, throwing interceptions, you know, you have to have tough skin um, and keep coming back, keep mature, keep growing. Um, all that's part of leadership, um, as we know, because if you're going to be a leader, you're going to get criticized. Uh, you're going to make poor decisions um, and you have to be willing to, you know, live with what people are saying and and take the criticism to see if it's worth uh worth it and make this make changes if changes need to be made um and you know go from there and so uh, i think i had to develop over the course of time what leadership what what a leader looks like um and i think that's everyone you know experience plays a big part in you know what leadership looks like over the course of time but the last thing is, you know, even if you don't say anything, people are always watching you. And so if you're serving people, uh, picking up trash, um, serving people all the time, you know, that's servant leadership. And people will be willing to follow that as well. So just the situation with Ben Simmons, we saw him, we saw the struggles that he was having for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, he's the point guard. And, and for whatever reason, there was a reluctance to shoot. It seemed that he lost his confidence. When you watched that, what, what were your thoughts on that? 
Well, it's definitely a mental block um, that he had because, I mean, he didn't like attempt. He didn't even really attempt to shoot the ball, even if it was a float. I mean, a short shot, pull up, none of that. And so that does happen um, sometimes as an athlete. Um, you have mental blocks uh, where you lose confidence, and that's basically what it is. You lose confidence in what you're doing because, one, it's not because you don't really put in the work. Um, it's because you're starting to listen to what other people are saying and you're doubting, doubting whether you can get it done um, and you don't want to hit a criticism because if you try something um, and you fail, then you know it's going to be more criticism on top of what they're already doing. And sometimes from a mental standpoint, it's hard to uh, overcome that. And so um, I think he just had a mental block. And that's something that I think all athletes go through at some point. Um, and some fight through it by putting in more work to try to prove people wrong. And hopefully that's what he is currently doing uh, now. I see, you know, he, he for, he's foregoing the, the Olympics yeah. uh, to continue to work on, you know, his game. But I saw some video last year where he was shooting threes and making them. Um, and I just, I just say, you know, do like, um, I mean, Giannis, Giannis shoots threes every now and then he doesn't shoot a whole lot of them, but he shoots them every now and then just to say, I'm okay. You know, and people criticize, criticize him for it and what have you, but in order for him to expand his game, you got to step out on faith at some point, step out on your work. And for, for Ben to not even attempt a shot, that just tells me that there's a, a big mental block. And hopefully he'll, he'll continue to work on that aspect of it and move forward as a player because he does a lot of great things. I mean, he does a lot of things well. Um, he could definitely be an asset for – the, the Philadelphia team. Um, and it's not even about the free throws. Right? People keep talking about the free throws. Yes, that is a part of it and him stepping up and making it. But Shaq played, they, they did Shaq the same way. Um, and they, they, they do a lot of guys the same way, but it didn't take away from them being able to dominate in other areas. Um, and yes, they may take them off the floor for a certain period of time, uh, but it didn't, affect them from being able to dominate in certain areas. And so I just think he, if he could just work on the mid range game, um, he could be really, really effective, whether it's driving to the basket and shooting pull-ups, because if he's given space, that's the thing that I love about Chris Paul. And you see all these guys are working now. They'll dribble the ball between their legs three, three or four times at the top of the key or somewhere to get to their spot, even if it's inside three-point line and pull up. And that is something, you know, when you have that ability to go by guys, they're going to give you space. And so if if I, if I that was me, that's all that I would be working on outside of, you know, just shooting threes the whole time and free throws. But I would definitely be working on getting to a certain spot on the floor like Chris Paul. I don't care how they play him. That he weaves and gets to the the, the spot that he want to get he gets to, 
and he rises up and shoots. Um, and they're like, he'll walk him down, walk him down, walk him down and pull up for the shot that he wants because he know that they can, he can go by him. And so I just think he, if he can get to that point where he can trust his work and not what people are saying and what they're going to say, if you don't succeed, um, then he'll, he'll be a force to reckon with for sure. So fans, make sure you, you check Charlie Ward out on Facebook, Charlie Ward official, Go there. Make sure you go to Twitter at the real Charlie Ward, and also go to his website charlieward.org and support all the great things going on with former NBA player Charlie Ward. Charlie, absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best going forward. Would love to do it again. I appreciate it.